Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. In this roundtable discussion, we're going to be talking about Fan Expo Canada. Now, as we record this part of the episode, we're doing the same sort of thing we did in San Diego. That's right. We've spent the entire day – well, not the entire day. We spent the day in Canada but at the convention. We're back at the hotel in the evening, late at night. It is – Nearly 10. Yeah, it is – yeah, well, actually, I think it is 10 p.m. No, we spent the entire day and we got back to the hotel at 10 a.m. Nobody's going to (laughs) bother. So – uh, we did a couple of things today, and one of the things I really recommend everybody do when they go to one of these conventions, spend a little time before, during, after, whatever, get out, see the city. Well, and this being the first day of the convention, and somewhat like San Diego, where they have preview night, as it's officially called in San Diego, the convention here didn't start officially until 4 p.m. If you bought the deluxe pass or one of the all-inclusive passes, you got an early admission at 2 p.m. So you had the morning today to see Toronto and enjoy what the city has to offer. Mm -hmm. And it's got a lot to offer. Now, again, as you mentioned, this is in Toronto, Canada. This is actually our first international convention, uh, despite what the fine folks in San Diego say. And don't get me wrong. They've done an international convention. They bring people from all over the world. We just don't happen to be those people. Exactly. We just happen to have been local and now transplants from Texas. But this is the first one time, you know, we've ever gone outside of the U.S. for a convention. This is, I believe, one of the largest ones in Canada. Um, as to how large this is, I've heard, uh, what was our friend Erica saying, 120,000-ish? Yeah, something like that, I believe she was saying. Which would put it more or less on par with San Diego, but it comes down to how tickets are counted between the various conventions, I don't know. Uh, we'll get to more as to whether we think it's comparable size or not. I think it's certainly got that potential. But as you mentioned, the convention didn't start until the afternoon. Uh, we had flown up the night before. Our our bag, our check bag actually flew up today. Um, yes, this is why we drive to San Diego to make sure all of our stuff comes with us. I think they'd have a lot more space in the overhead compartments on planes if they were a bit more reliable on that. Anyways, we got our bag finally tonight. But since we'd gotten in last night, we had this morning to, to do as we pleased uh, and a little time before the convention. We hooked up uh, at the Royal York. We're staying at a different hotel, but we went down to the Royal York to meet up with the Chans, who we have hung out with in San Diego, C2E2. Mm-hmm. If you've got friends that are going to conventions, it's great to be able to hang out with people, do dinner, just compare notes as to what do you know about the convention, what's going on, what did you see, oh, I should check this out, oh, you're looking for this, hey, we found this for you. It doubles your uh, boots on the ground. Definitely. Double is not the right word because really if you've got people who understand what you're interested in and you understand what they're interested in, it gives you just so much more reach on what's actually happening at these conventions. It's amazing. It increases your experience exponentially. Yeah, because even if you're standing right next to the person all day, they may see stuff you didn't. 
And sometimes just, oh, I, I missed that entirely conversation, you know. Well, they may understand the same thing that you're seeing differently. Mm -hmm. And they may nudge you and say, hey, this person was also in the show you liked, but in a smaller role. Did you realize that? Yeah. It's like having a DVD extra live. Yes. Anyway, so uh, we did lunch with uh, Linda and Erica Chan. I now, guess. I want to slow you down one moment. The Royal York is one of the hotels that has a convention rate, and we just didn't book in time to get in on that. It's an amazing hotel with an amazing history. Yes. I'm going to get the age wrong, but it's got to be definitely over 100 years old. I'm thinking 150 or more. Yeah. Two years ago, we came up to Canada to visit one of our cousins from Japan who was up here just for a couple of months on a, a school thing. And we had a little time while she was doing the school thing. Uh, so one of the places we went to was the Royal York. Yeah, and touring the lobby of the hotel, it's amazing. We probably spent half an hour two years ago touring the well, lobby and mezzanine area. We were walking around it and lucked into as we were up on the, uh, the upper part – uh, the balcony area of, of the huge lobby. And this is, you know, again, ancient thing, big fancy hotel. Uh, and there was a tour group coming by. The tour guide was basically telling the entire history of the place. Mm -hmm. And we're just leaning over the rail listening. It's like, wow, that's fascinating. And of course, I think half the people in his tour group were like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Well, and his tour group was full of non-native English speakers who seemed to be that's struggling right. to understand. And he was trying very hard to make the information accessible to him at and at one point, he looked up to point something out, and he realized we were hanging on his every word. So he started projecting his voice up to us. He was actually very kind in that regard. I yes. had no idea who the fellow was, but you know, we got a lot out of his thing. And it's funny because, like you said, the people were uh, in the group clearly not native English speakers because he was doing all of the hand gestures of this is where they put a roof over their head when they stayed sort of, yes. you know, thing. It was, it was quite funny, but it was fun because part of why we went there is it was used in one of the scenes of Flashpoint. Now, one of the scenes is an understatement. One of the episodes. It, yes. right. A whole episode was based there. Uh, Flashpoint, Canadian show. That mm -hmm. was aired on CBS in its first few seasons. It kind of, yeah, back, we're in the city. Yeah, back when the writer's strike was happening, CBS yeah. aired it. And then when the writer's strike was over, it kind of fell off of CBS and Ion picked it up. Great show. Enrico Colantonio from uh, Veronica Mars. Just Shoot Me, I think it was, the sitcom mm -hmm. he did. Galaxy Quest. Uh, he's been in Person of Interest. Terrific actor, and he was basically leading a special response unit and stuff. Mm -hmm. Ton of other great actors, very talented cast, great show. Uh, so it's like, okay, we're going to see some of the sites since we're up here and have some time to kill. That was two years ago. Now this time, since we've done that, it's like, well, let's go a little further afield. Um, so we meet up at the Royal York with our friends, uh, Erica and Linda Chan. Uh, they've, of course, uh, part of why they're fun to hang out with is they are very considerate about our, our food uh, allergies and, and restrictions. A lot of people, it's like, ah, it's just a pain to deal with. And they, it, and I get it. It is. Believe me, I deal with it every day. I know this. But finding some people that are willing to uh, uh, limit where they can eat during their vacation and stuff based on what we're forced to be limited to, greatly appreciate it. 
particularly when they also do some research to find out where we can eat. Yes. They had found a place, because they've been up to Toronto before, as had I, not only two years ago, but uh, I did. I used to work for Northern Telecom, so I spent better part of a year up here. Of course, that was 20 years ago. Who knows if any of those change I ate, chains I ate at, one, are still around, and two, wouldn't kill me these days. Anyways, they had found a place called IQ. Mm-hmm. And it was fast. It was good service. It was good food. It was basically going online, tell them what you want, get a box, sit down, eat it. Don't know. It's the kind of place I would have necessarily found and said, yes, let's go to. But it tasted delicious. Yes. Yeah. It was very good. It was very quick. It was very easy. And I mean, they literally give it to you as a box lunch because it's downtown Toronto. These people can come in on their lunch hour like they did today, grab the stuff, take it back, eat it there, whatever. They're good. If I worked in the vicinity, I could totally see doing this on a regular basis. It was terrific food. The concept of a box lunch that arguably is gourmet. Yes. Um, so that was fun. After that, though, we decided to go, like I said, further afield and go to Casa Loma. Now, this is a place that I guess you'd been telling me about. Yes. Uh, one of uh, of uh, our friends, your friends initially, uh, they'd gotten married there. Yeah, and they kept teasing me that not only should I come to their wedding because, well, I've been their friend for 20 plus years, but I should come to their wedding because, well, if it's good enough for the X-Men, it's good enough for me. That's right. Casa Loma is what doubled as the X-Men mansion. So we're sitting there look, going up the same staircase, actually going down, I guess. We yes. went up a different one. The same staircase that uh, Charles Xavier came down in at least uh, X-Men First Class. Uh, actually, uh, uh, First Class and, I believe, um, Days of Future Past when uh, Wolverine goes to, to pick him up. We're looking down the same hallways where you would expect Professor X to go. Now, how do you know if a place has really been used in the movies and TV shows. I think the only way to really know for sure is for there to actually be a film crew there. And there was. Yes, there was. Killjoy, I guess is the name of the show. Yes. Uh, is apparently filming there. I have obviously never no. seen an episode. I know nothing about the show other than Aaron Ashmore, who was on uh, Warehouse 13, is in it. He was actually there on set. Now, I will say, you know, it's not quite the same as having an actual cast member of X-Men there, but if you can get his twin brother to be there. That's right. His twin brother, Sean Ashmore, plays Iceman. I'm willing to, to, to give him that. That that actually has got to be funny. I wonder if they've the, the brothers have talked about that. But it was fun because it's a, it's a castle. It's very scenic. It's got the comic book connection, and it's just... It was fun to walk around, uh, take some photos of that kind of a thing. It was an easy subway ride back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that killed a little no, – I don't say killed. That, that gave us something very fun to do for the time say, before the, the convention opened. It was a fantastic morning. We chose to walk up the not-so-gently-inclined hill to get there. Okay, it's funny. We're going around the thing. We didn't want to hike up the 115 steps. We figured we'd hike down those. I don't believe it's 115. I thought it was 150. 150. I think it was 115. Oh, well, it was an awful lot. Either way, it's over 100. Um, we, we wound up going around the bend. It gave us a chance to see all sides of the, the yes. castle, which was fun. And when you come around the bend and you see the turret yeah. suddenly in front of you and are greeted with this facade of the X-Men mansion. Yeah. Wow. You're coming up the curve. It's there on your right. 
So what do we do? We head off to the left because it's like, what is that? Here's this huge castle. We're going to check that out in a minute. We know this. The whole point we came. But let's let's go down the street to the left and see what this tinier little castle is with this really tall tower. Well, that's the thing, though. It was admittedly a very small-looking, tiny little residential house with Rapunzel's turret on it. It turns out what we realized is when we got into Casa Loma, Casa Loma go downstairs, get the, the audio tour thing. They got a little punch the numbers says you're going to the room, self-guided tour thing. We're going down the hidden pass, not the hidden, the, the, the underground tunnels to the stable house, which turns out to have been this place that we had just been up the street at taking the exterior photos of. Which was good, because I don't think we would have really appreciated how cool that place was if we hadn't done that. Yes. Yes. Um, but and it, that was where uh, Cyclops' motorcycle yeah. had been. There were a number of things that I'm sure if we were to go back and watch some of the movies again or whatnot, we would be able to, oh, yeah, I recognize this. This was used in... Because uh, Tuxedo, uh, Jackie Chan film, had some stuff filmed there. Cocktail, I think it was, the Tom Cruise. Obviously, the X-Men stuff. Tons of movies have been filmed there. Mm -hmm. um, very, very scenic place. I can totally see why they use it. Um, so, that was, that was again, great, fun way to, to spend the morning. Well, and I had mentioned to our friends as we were walking up that other friends had gotten married there. And they're like, really? Sounds pretty fancy. But once or twice as we were walking around, they just turned to me and they're like, I can see getting married here. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you've got the grand foyer and it's got the the big um, organ built in. I mean, it's just... A huge organ that had originally been put in a theater for silent movies. And when the theater was taken down, somebody rescued the organ. Mm. And a local Kiwanis club got it a new home in Casa Loma. Oh, that's I mean, cool. What a history that organ has. Well, and again, every town that's got a convention of any decent size. I mean, you're going to have small regional shows everywhere and stuff. But anyone that's kind of worth traveling to. The city has other really cool stuff. Maybe mm. it's comic related, sci-fi related. Maybe it's not. But take the time and go see that stuff. You're traveling to a, uh, another city. See the sights. Definitely. So that was that was a lot of fun. And we actually headed into the convention center. Uh, fortunately, our friends, the Chans, had been to this convention before. So they kind of knew the lay of the land. Here's where to go to get registered and all that stuff. Um, Erica was lucky. She actually managed to get a press pass, which is something I, I didn't manage to get. We had to actually pay our entry, which, yeah, whatever, not a big deal. A little frustrating. You know, so, so okay, four Americans – None of us apparently thought to have a Canadian roaming set up on our phone. I actually paid for it this morning for three bucks on Sprint. My phone still says it's in Dallas. <laughs> so here we are with all this high-tech device, having just hung out with these people uh, in San Diego. We're texting back and forth, calling, communicating the whole thing. And we're like up here. It's like, we're going to have to do this old school style, like plan ahead. Welcome to the 1980s. So rather than just, okay, Erica, you, you go to that line, we'll go elsewhere, and will we ever see each other again? No, we'll wait. Which was fine. Cool to do. She well, didn't take too long doing that. We waited five feet away from where we put her in line, and she almost couldn't find us again because we found such a tucked away, out of sight place to be five feet away. Well, as an American, I wouldn't have expected this either. You're in, in this point, a hotel. 
they have this glorified closet, small little sitting room for pay phones. I don't know that I could find a payphone in downtown Austin if my life depended on it. Two payphones with three nice padded benches in this little walk-in closet. It was a very comfortable place for three people to sit and talk while we yeah. waited for her. So, I mean, that was that was a good time chat with Linda and stuff. Mm -hmm. Erica was doing that. Nature of the wonderful. Beast. She gets in one. Erica gets in one line. Turns out it's always going to be the slowest line. It's, and it mm -hmm. happens to me all the time. Um, which kind of surprised me when we, the rest of us go to to get in line and stuff. There was like no line. And granted, this was four o'clock ish. Mm, four four thirty. No, it was about four thirty. Okay, you're right. It was about four thirty ish. The convention. Arguably, a lot of people have been able to get in since two. But it was opening day of the convention. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Line we got in, there was like one person in front of us. Yeah. We got and it was a breeze. In, got our, our wristbands. Not a big fan of the wristband process in terms of, oh, I'm going to have this on for the next couple of days, whatever. Um, We were in, no no problem. Here's your ticket to go get your T-shirt. Because when you buy a ticket to this convention, I don't think it's possible to not buy the additional T-shirt. Well, if you buy a ticket for all four days, ah. the only option I found was... All four days plus a t-shirt or all four days plus a t-shirt plus this, that, and the other if you buy one day only. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now, mind you, at this point, we have no clue if our bag is ever going to arrive where most of our, our clothes are. Fortunately, we had stuff in the carry-on, so today wasn't a big deal. Tomorrow wouldn't have been a big deal. After that, might have been. So a free t-shirt is really – or a prepaid t-shirt, I guess, is really a good thing. Well, better for you than for me. Because apparently at a comic book convention, they somehow ran out of double XLs. Don't know how that happens when you pre-tell them in advance, this is what I want. Anyways, little, uh, they said there'll be more later. I guess they just didn't get them in in time. They didn't get them to the show today is yeah. what they ended up saying was what they meant by we ran out. If only they knew how many people had signed up for four-day badges. If only we had the technology. <sighs> These things happen, though. And again, it was easy. They were apologetic. It's not out of the way to go back to it. If this were San Diego, where I had to go a couple of blocks down to, to the room. True. This was a very convenient location to pick up the T-shirts. And everybody we met, every step of the way, very, very nice, very polite, very helpful. Yeah. Now, this was in the South Hall. No, North Hall. North Hall. I keep getting that backwards. And you've been giving me a hard time all day on that. I apparently, I literally am 180 degrees off in this country. Um, convention is split on into two halls on different sides of the train tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, so we started in the North Hall, which we only dived through a little bit because at about this point, the Chans had to, to go veer off because they've got family in town, whatever. Yeah, and I would like to better understand the division of booths between North and South because I'm aware there's a division. But I don't know how that division was established. It seems like just as the convention's grown, they've either switched sides or grown to both sides. I'm not sure. I guess my point is that, like, in San Diego, I would say that the fan groups are out on the mezzanine, for instance. Well, in San Diego, back when it had two rooms, back at the Civic Center... One of them was traditionally all of the uh, dealers go in here and pay money to go get comics. The other were go talk to the publishers or the, the, the people showing you stuff 
but right. not a money exchanging hands kind of a deal. Right. And I couldn't. That wasn't the case here. Right. I couldn't figure out that kind of distinction between the two rooms. What seemed to be happening in the North Hall, which we only kind of walked through briefly at the end of the day, was there. that's where most of the major celebrities were. Yes. That's where the major tech companies were. Intel has a huge presence here. Uh, Gigabit that does uh, uh, motherboards mm-hmm. and stuff. It's also where the horror section, the Fright Fest or whatever stuff is. I forget mm-hmm. exactly what they called it. Uh, I call it the gross aisle that I probably won't spend much uh, time in. Again, yeah, very squeamish and just don't need to look at people made up like that. Maybe it's yeah. not that bad. But- well, but going back to the made up like that, there was a huge cosplay presence and there seemed to be a lot of... That's where the cosplay... Selling cosplay things were, yeah. to help you with cosplay. It seems more geared towards cosplay, high tech, uh, wearable mm-hmm. attire, you know, period piece type stuff. And again, we'll spend more time there over the weekend. We yeah. spent most of the day over in the other hall, the North Hall. South? South Hall. Damn, I'm getting it backwards again. I, I will continue to do this. I will be, if nothing, if not consistent. Uh, we spent most of the time in the, 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 the other hall. And. That was where the publishers were. That's where Artist Alley was. We did not go through Artist Alley. That's one that I wanted to save until I felt like doing a lot more walking. But we did. that's where all the comic uh, retailers were, a couple of publishers, uh, video gaming, big video gaming presence here. There were tons and tons of uh, consoles set up, computers set up, but in both halls because mm-hmm. Intel had a huge presence on that too. Well, and Intel had the uh – Wall size screens. Yeah, Intel had again. That's that's in the, the North Hall. It looked like kind of a panel room inside the convention hall, yes. if you will. Um, whereas in the uh, the other hall where we spent most of the day, space was that the channel that had the inner space yes. uh, people doing filming there for a little bit. Uh, electronic boutiques seemed to actually build up an entire store inside the exhibit hall thing. Yes, which we actually didn't walk through. Um, but we walked up and down most of the aisles, and I would say that was on par with Hall A and maybe B or some of San Diego. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's big. It's not as huge as all of San Diego, but, no, it, but it's it's impressive. And the part that amazed me was how many comic books were on the floor. Yes, I don't mean physically lying on the floor. You're going to trip over them, crap like that. I mean. If you want to buy back issues, this seems like a terrific place to do it. Granted, you'll pay Canadian dollars probably, but it's about a one-to-one exchange rate. Not a big deal. Yes. But there was one booth. I was seeing complete sets of Superboy and the Legion, uh, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe Master Edition. Uh, I mean, you name it on up and down. There were sets of things. I mean, these were a couple-inch bricks of comics or whatnot. Um, and if you just want to kind of bulk up your collection or just, gosh, I've never read this, that, and the other, I want the whole run of, of the, the 70s, uh, Nova, She-Hulk, Spider-Woman, whatever, I would be surprised if you couldn't find it here. And I was very pleased by that. There was tons of trade paperbacks. You want variant covers. There seemed to be a good selection of that. This seemed like a very good convention if you were hunting down back issues. Yeah. Now, I, I – I say that having walked by the booths, not having really perused all that stuff, because there's only a handful of back issues I'm really looking for. And I, I might over the weekend dig up on my computer what those are and, and actually go go back issue diving. But given how that side of San Diego has kind of dwindled 
over the last uh, decade or two or three. I was I was surprised. Well, and they looked like they were the actual back issues that people would look for and want to read, not the high-priced back issues that collectors cherry-pick for collections. Exactly. Good point. And it's part of what I was trying to allude to but didn't clarify. It's not – I mean, you got some Golden Age. You've got some Silver Age. You've got some stuff that's slabbed. But if you're looking for a run-of-the-mill title, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. something your local store doesn't have but not that key issue no, – they probably have the key issues too. Yes. But it's not all they have. Right. But in San Diego, I've gotten accustomed to seeing kind of that wall of nothing but really expensive key issues. And this was box upon box upon box of what you might be looking for because you missed it. One of the ways I would judge comic stores when I was traveling a lot and going to a lot of them was they would have back issue bins back then. That's how long ago it was. It would have been like 20 years ago. Did they have just the titles in the back issue bins that were currently being published or the titles that had just fallen by the wayside and been replaced? Batman and the Outsiders replaced Brave and the Bold. Did they still have Brave and the Bold? How about World's Finest? This seemed like, well, again, uh, Superboy and the Legion, the original Superboy in the Legion series. Um, they have that older stuff. Now, it looked to be in decent shape. I didn't really, again, go in detail and stuff. I'm sure it's all different grades. But just the number of comic book boxes, the number of comic books I saw today blew me away. That's probably more than I have seen, excluding maybe this year's Mile High uh, booth, but probably more than I've seen in San Diego in years. And I don't mean each San Diego, you know, I mean, over the course of the last couple of years combined. Yeah. Mile High being the possible exception, because there have been a couple of years Chuck Rosansky brings tons. Yeah. This was one of them. He did that a couple of years back. But this just seemed to be everybody and their their dog seemed to be, you know, it was it was a comic book show. Yes, definitely. Which, when the title of the thing is Fan Expo, okay, I'm expecting a bit more, I don't say diversity. I'm not, I, I, Because there was diversity. Oh, there was, exactly. Again, the gaming presence there, the 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 computer presence there, and the the other room. That well, we and the toy in. presence there, and the action figure presence there, and the gaming presence there. In terms of selling current video games, and there was a booth. There's a lot of of vintage video games. Yeah, there that's to be what had. I was trying to figure I've, out how to phrase. I've got a coworker who's very much into video games, and I think he would love that. Uh, we should take some photos of those booths for him, uh, just to to show him that yeah. kind of stuff. I mean, I was just blown away how every aspect of fandom has a very good representation here. Yeah. And again, we mainly spent the the time in the one hall, and we still have the other one to kind of explore and get a better Mm -hmm. grasp on. Uh, We didn't go to any panels today. There really weren't any that we were excited about. There's a couple coming up on each of the next few days. Um some of them are, I guess, pay premium type things, and the program didn't seem to really distinguish that. Yeah. It has me a little uh, frustrated. But this is something that certainly is at least the size of C2E2. Oh, yeah. Uh, it looked like their artist alley might have been even bigger, but again, didn't really dive through that part yet. Um, they had uh, places to eat large food courts at each end of the the – South Hall. Yes. And at one end of the North Hall. See, I'm getting it right. It's you so are. amazing. 
And there was enough seating, at least today, that when we went into one of the food courts and wanted to sit down for a moment and gather our thoughts, we didn't have to go looking and begging for seats. There were seats available. Well, and and Erica had posed the question before we walked into the registration of they claim it's got the same attendance as as San Diego, give or take a a few thousand or whatever. It's like on par. Mm -hmm. And she was wondering if we would think that's true accurate or well, not the they say the numbers are on par but they also say they're the third largest which means they aren't saying they're on par so i'm i don't know i i haven't looked at the yeah. exact phrasing on all of this stuff it's yeah. a huge show definitely it's well worth coming coming to if you're even if, you, if you're on the continent i would say and into comics it's certainly one that i don't think it's as much word of mouth as c2e2 New York, San Diego, obviously, is, is the big one. Uh, but there are a couple others. People are, oh, I should go to that or whatever. And this is just, I think, is on the list. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised whenever we got in line to, to like get a soda or whatever, there was not a line really to speak of. Now, granted, we weren't doing it at prime lunchtime or whatever. True. And this is Thursday. We do not yet know what Saturday holds. Exactly. The crowds could change wildly on uh, Friday and Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. But well, and there was a lot of people there too. There were there were quite a few people there, but the and there was definitely a crowd when we were moving between the two halls. But the crowd was always moving. The crowd always felt, I would say, generally well organized. There weren't backups or a fear of tripping at escalators and that kind of thing. They had a number of people, both security and showrunners facilitating, making sure people knew where to go and stuff. So it was mm-hmm. never, okay, I'm confused, I'm lost. It's a bit of a hike between the two. Uh, it's about five, seven-minute walk, maybe, give or take, maybe ten. In other words, if your panel is in the other building, uh, plan ahead. Yeah. And you don't want to be darting – I don't want to be darting back and forth, at least. Other people, who knows? Maybe they love the exercise. Uh, but it's not like – We've seen some years in San Diego where it's uh, keep moving, keep moving from the security yes, guards. Yes. We got that at one point today. And he was so polite and so soft spoken about when he told you that, that I barely knew who had said what until you told me. We were basically in the uh, the South Hall, the one the North Hall. I keep getting it. Eventually, I'll get it right. It's first first time in the convention center. Sunday evening, he might get it right. Uh, give me a couple of years. We'll figure it out. We get into the first hall. We're going up the escalator. It's got a thing that cuts across. We're like, ooh, that's a great overview of, of the room. Take some photos there. Oh, we'll do that on the way back. And we'd done it on the way back, but you had to kind of cross over to the go to the other hall line. And we were stopping there taking photos. They don't want people doing that to block traffic, et cetera. And I get it. Oh, yeah. And but- again, the guy was very nice, polite, and just, you know, you, you got to keep moving. Yeah. And I was just trying to get a, a means of getting a sense of scale yeah. of one of the exhibit halls. So I, I would say – Gut feeling so far, physically, seems like about half the square footage of San Diego. In terms of attendance, a little hard to tell. San Diego is impossible to tell some years just because, particularly now how it's expanded to other hotels and stuff like that, the number of people in panels. This has a couple of panels going on at any given time, but not like the 20 or 30 that San Diego has. Mm Mm-hmm. But so far, I'm really enjoying it. I mean, I was a little bit tired as we walked the hall today, just having done Castle Loma, the hike to and from it, from the the subway station, that kind of stuff. 
uh, I've got a job, a, a programmer. I sit at my desk all day. So being on my feet all day, it's like, oh, man, they're tired. Yeah. I'm that way the first day of any convention, though. Well, and I would recommend to anyone listening to this to hit the internet and check out the schedule and to check out the floor plan for Fan Expo and just see what it is we're talking about mm-hmm. and get an idea of what it is they offer and stuff because it's it's a convention It first really hit my radar probably two years ago and I was just so surprised I hadn't heard about it before. Well, I had heard of the Toronto Comic Con back 20 years ago when I was up here on business, but I was never here when it was happening, you know, and it is what evolved into Fan Expo. So I'm, I'm glad I finally gotten a chance to, to come check it out. And you're right. I mean, everyone should decide what they want out of a convention experience. Do they want the celebrities? If so, do they want big, huge theater type experience or a more close personal one-on-one-ish type stuff? Are they into the autograph stuff? Do they want to pay extra for that? Do they not? Are they looking for back issues? Are they not? Do they want a big video gaming experience? Do they want more cosplay? What focus do they want? And then try to figure out which conventions meet as much of that as practical, fits in the budget, and makes it very doable. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this year we've been to a number of conventions, um, which is definitely putting a little bit of a dent in the budget. But, you know, hey, it, it's fun to do. And being able to see in the same year C2E2 San Diego and and the Fan Expo, great chance to kind of compare and contrast. Definitely. Yeah. So did all that. Afterwards, uh, grabbed a bite to eat at, what was it, the uh, Lone Lone Star Star. Texas Grill. Yes. Everybody there had a cowboy hat. Yes. We're, of course, from Austin, Texas. Uh, I think I saw more cowboy hats in that restaurant than I have this year in, in, in Austin. But it was good food. A Texas flag with no star on it, painted on the wall. But it was also indicative of the size crowd because we got seated within five, ten minutes. Yes. And this was just almost across the street from the convention center. Um, Now, we did go before the hall closed. That's true. That's true. And again, I think it's a credit to the convention center that there are places to eat in there. When we actually asked the information booth, where can we go get some food? They're like right there, right there, right there, you know, kind of mm-hmm. just pointing to the food courts they've got. And two of the places in the food courts had gluten-free options. Yes. And one had a gluten-free, dairy-free, just, well, both that of them. That was the smoothie place. The smoothie place and the sushi was gluten-free, yeah. dairy-free. So I was very impressed. Prices uh, cost me, what, about three bucks for a can of soda? Yeah. But convention center, what you going to do? Yeah. So... Did that. It, all in all, it was a fun day. Yeah. Uh, tired. Uh, looking forward to the next couple of days. Uh, I think Nathan Fillion is uh, one of the panels tomorrow. Nathan Fillion, I believe, is Saturday. Oh, it's Saturday. That's right. That's right. Saturday. Um, what else did we see that we wanted to mention? There were a couple of things I wanted to talk about in addition to the actual comics. Um, definitely talk about one of the first booths we saw. Yes. It was a what looked like a comic book called United, and it turns out it's not actually a comic book. It's more uh, – it was a poster they put together for a short movie they're doing, they being the York Regional Police. And part of what attracted us to the booth is there are a couple of guys dressed up as police officers, and by which I mean they were incredibly authentic as witnessed by the sign that said, we're not cosplaying, we are police officers. I thought that was an excellent sign for them to have up. I do too. 
And we talked to them for a bit. And what these guys are doing is they're basically trying to do kind of a community outreach thing and that their job, their goal is really what pretty much everybody in the community wants. They want just a safer neighborhood. They want a better place to live. So instead of policing the neighborhood as a uh, uh, an action on the neighborhood, they are taking the approach of policing with the neighborhood, if you will. Yes. And trying to do community outreach stuff to kids in school, that kind of a stuff. And basically, hey, we're all on the same team. We're trying to do the same thing. We're trying to help you have a better place to live. Doing it with a movie that's got a very superhero-y kind of a thing uh, aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it sounds like just a brilliant idea. And being from Austin, where the Diffuser, the winner of the second season of Who Wants to Be a Superhero, Jarrett, uh, the winner there, the Diffuser, is a police officer in San Diego. He's doing essentially- In Austin. In Austin, sorry. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, spent 20 years in San Diego and I just default to it. Anyways, uh, in Austin, he's uh, Jarrett is, is kind of the proof in the pudding that this sort of a thing makes sense. It works. And I think these guys with the the York Regional Police trying the same kind of a thing, trying to do the outreach, I I just totally applaud that. They gave a really good pitch. They did. Um, They've got a a very solid booth. It's over by Artist Alley and such. Of course, by the time this episode goes up, episode or the convention will be over. But I like how I like the approach they're taking. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of educate and entertain a little at the same time. Well, and they were talking about wanting to encourage kids who are interested in filmmaking, especially, yes. to make some PSAs, some public service announcements of their own, and to get kids thinking about ways everybody can work together and things everyone can do to make their community safer. Exactly. They're not doing this saying, this is the end of the project, this is the beginning of it for them. Again, like you said, trying to get the community involved and trying to partner with the community. And I just love that attitude. Yes. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. That was really cool. Another one we saw elsewhere in the floor, and this is one that we kind of go around a corner. I saw what looked like a little ICU unit for babies. And I'm like, okay, this looks just a little creepy. Please tell me this isn't like a horror thing. Well, and I saw a guy holding up a T-shirt that didn't quite make sense to me, and I was like, what is this? It's a silhouette of a stick figure kind of, you know, like you're walking cro- a crossing guard guy on a, a walk, don't walk sign, sitting in a recliner, throwing his video game controller against the TV. The logo is Rage Quits Save Lives. And this whole thing is around, I guess, playing video games for a day, getting sponsored by it. And in this case, it's going to one of the local uh, uh, hospitals, which we can actually see out our hotel room window here, uh, sick kids. Yes. Coincidentally, that happened to be where our cousin was, was doing some work in her education stuff two years ago. But this whole thing is around, I was unclear if it was raising money or I guess money, raising but also money. in awareness. Yeah, raising money and awareness for the hospital. And uh, we will hopefully remember to put up the URL for this because he was saying that um, they are not the only hospital involved and it's throughout North America. Yeah, he said there were a lot of North American hospitals involved. So mm-hmm. there's a good chance there's a, a, a hospital in your area that's yes. involved. The URL, just in case I forget to put it in the show notes, is www.extra-life.org. 
And again, the whole thing is for, uh, again, raising money and stuff to help these local hospitals that do just terrific stuff for, uh, for kids. Yeah. And I would imagine there's one of the hospitals in, in, in our hometown, Austin, that's involved with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of personal connection there for me is I've got a coworker who about a year ago had a son who had just major uh, uh, medical issues just out of the gate. And that was a, a very obviously stressful time for, for him. He, he'd had three other boys. This is the fourth. So it's not like he's a, a worry wart of a, a new father or anything of the sort. They were getting legit issues. And again, having the not just the medical facilities that can treat that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but treating it for kids and yeah. their parents. I mean, that that yeah, it, that takes a lot. Um, and again, I spent enough time in the hospital as a kid with uh, some surgery for a, a birth defect on my arm and stuff that you got to have the right kind of people involved in that. They need to have the resources available. It's important. It is. So having yeah. both... The police presence there kind of supporting and getting a community outreach thing, having the sick kids there and stuff. I was f- impressed with, with both of those. Yeah. Um, in addition to, again, you've got all the vendors, all the toy stuff. I saw more probably uh, Super Sentai toys in this floor today than I have in most past years of San Diego other than the last couple. Uh, and I mean like all of that combined. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to the guys over at uh, the Titan booth. Yes. They were with the merchandise branch, not the actual comics branch, but they were telling us about the Doctor Who stuff and all that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, talk to the people over at Nerd Block, who coincidentally had just put in the first issues of the 10th and 11th Doctor, the first issues of those comics, in the latest Nerd Block, getting that out there. Uh, looks like they had done, I guess, a direct deal probably with Titan and stuff, so it probably won't show up in the Diamond numbers. But, again, um, a lot of cool stuff on the floor. Yeah, Definitely. So, and again, we haven't done Artist Alley. We haven't done the other hall much at all. We just kind of did a quick walk through. Uh, haven't done any of the panels. So there's a lot left to say, but I think that pretty much does it for tonight. I think that does it for tonight. Cool. It is now Friday night. We are back at the hotel. It is about 10 o'clock and another full day. It's been wonderful. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I did a couple of panels today. Really, I don't know that I got out on the hall floor at all. In the background right now, you may be hearing church bells? I think it is a nearby church. It rings on the hour. Thankfully, I'm capable of sleeping through it. You're doing better than I am. I think it's... We actually have the uh, the bay windows open of the hotel room. we got this awesome view of, of Toronto. And there's a clock tower uh, that I can see that I, is kind of behind you from where you're sitting uh, that may be doing that. This is, frankly, one of the things that takes me a little getting used to in these sorts of uh, uh, downtownish situations, the the sirens and all that stuff over the night. So I didn't sleep as soundly as I would have liked to, but still a uh, really fun day. Um, we started out by... Uh, meeting up again with our friends, the Chans, over at uh, their hotel, the Royal York, which is just a couple of blocks, if that, from the convention center. Uh, walked over there, then we ducked over to the, because we start in the... You kind of automatically enter in the north building. Right. 
That that I was going to get it wrong, and I know it. Let me pull out the map so I can try to get that right for the rest of yeah. this. Yeah. Starting and the north building, then we headed immediately over to the south, which is a five, ten-minute walk. Well, and to me, one of the interesting things about this convention is they have a line for people who are picking up their tickets. And for those of us who already have our wristbands, we go through re-entry, which makes perfect sense. But when you're entering for the first time that morning... And you're half awake looking for that sign that says re-entry is a little bit of a thinking, oh, yeah, I was here yesterday. This constitutes re-entry. But uh, we walked straight in, no problem, right as the hall was opening, as, as best I can tell. Uh, easy to do. You go through the, uh, again, the north building. We then kind of jetted up and over the thing to the south building to go check out one or two um, exclusives and uh, giveaway type things. Yeah, as happens at so many of the conventions, uh, we lined up for a Canadian Lego exclusive that they wanted to pick up as a gift for a friend who is a Lego addict, and we got some Lego minifigures, and about that point, you broke off to go to a panel, and we went over, and we were confused about who was doing it, but we saw this little stand-up podium and someone asked us uh, five questions that, you know, you kind of stop and think, how am I going to answer? You know, what do you value most in a teammate? This kind of thing. And based on our answers, we were very relieved to discover we are all true agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then they printed for us actual ID cards that with our photos so we can show people that we are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, y'all are. I, of course, was heading off to the Matt Smith panel, and that was, of course, back in the North Building. So I traipsed all the way over for, frankly, about a half hour and stuff before going back. Um, and there was a decent-sized line. Now, the way this venue is set up is there are three levels on the North Building, uh, four or five on the other level, after, you, and that includes the Sky Bridge and all that kind of stuff. So it took a little bit of time to... to Get back over there. Not a big deal. But they had the line going up past room, I think it was 205, 206 or something, past this huge area where they had the Batmobile. They would let you go down the escalator in, in batches just so they wouldn't get that all bunched up, which was smart. Very well done. And Matt Smith was in the Constitution Hall room in the North Building. It was room 105. The thing is huge. I would put it on par with at least probably ballroom 20. See, and we were wondering if the largest rooms here were on par with Ballroom 20 or more of a 6BCF. Actually, I would probably go with the 6ABCD whatever alphabet type stuff. It's a long, skinny thing, and instead of having the way they have it in the program diagram, where the stage is along one of the short ways, since they sell VIP tickets of the first few rows, they angled everything as 90 degrees to where the stage was in the center of the long wall. And I was along the side. I was literally like four seats from the wall uh, on my right and about halfway back in the room. And I'm literally having to turn 90 degrees to go face where Matt Smith is. And he's a fair distance away. I mean, at least a, a it seems like a block almost. Um, more than my eyesight could really do. They had monitors, but San Diego, they have, like, uber high-def 4K screens. I don't know what they've got. They're awesome. Here, it literally looked like a huge jumbotron from, you know, a couple of years back. 
it was good. I could tell what was going on. It was by no means uh, high def or, or crystal clear. Um, Matt Smith, of course, played the Eleventh Doctor. I know you don't watch Doctor no, Who. Which sorry, got to get you on that. But did a great job. Had the role for a couple of years. Uh, just turned it over to Peter Capaldi, whose first episode was a week ago as we record this. And so no longer the reigning doctor. And there were some questions. What's it like having, you know, being on this side of the experience? And he gave some, some good answers. Um, as far as celebrity panel guest type stuff, not as funny as some, not as in-depth as others, but seems very genuine. Did he have a moderator? He had a moderator. It was one of the guys from uh, Inner Space, I guess it was. The, Got it. The, one of the space channel shows here about sci-fi stuff. Probably either Teddy or uh, AJ. It was Teddy. It was Teddy. And Teddy did a good job moderating. But and there, it was funny because there were some really great questions. One of them uh, early on was, I you know, I'd given it a lot of thoughts since last year, a year to think this up, whatever. The doctor's always running from stuff. Can I run with you? And he's like, what, from like here to here on the stage? And the guy's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And they do that. And, and Matt Smith is kind of like, well, you know, oh, there's the danger. Oh, let's run to there, you know, and they, they do that. And he's talking about how for three years he's doing this stop on the dime, hit the mark kind of a thing. And how he was always stopping on the one leg and finally had to have surgery on the thing. Oh. I mean – it's a bit of a demanding physical role. And, I mean, David Tennant was having back problems. I don't know necessarily because of the Doctor Who stuff, but it did wind up becoming an issue. Well, Dick Van Dyke made the comment at one point that his entire generation of slapstick comedians, for lack of a better term, is now regulars with their chiropractors. Mm -hmm. There's a certain physicality to certain roles that takes a toll. Mm -hmm. And Matt Smith is what... Maybe, maybe 30. He was 26, I think, when he got the role a couple of years back. So I think he's under 30. Anyways, um, he gave some good answers. He is undoubtedly going to be doing the convention circuit for the next half century, you know, provided he – for the remainder of his life as long as he wants to. I was going to say I think the fans will want him to be doing it for the next half century. My point is the guy's under 30. Yes. Doing it until he's 80 like we're seeing – Edward James almost, uh, William Shatner and others do it totally within the realm of, of high probability and practicality. Needs the, Matt Smith, great, great guest, loved the panel. He needs to work on his convention presence a little because mm. at times he's brilliant at it. Really, he's getting up, going through and stuff. Other times he's just kind of looking down at the floor, thinking about it and, and giving an answer. And, and yeah, yeah, that was about it. And, you know, I've noticed at some of the conventions, there are some actors who are aware that people are constantly taking candid photos of them and they are constantly looking out at the audience, smiling and engaging and making eye contact and aware this is the audience's moment yeah. to see me, to feel that they got their experience. And there are other actors that will lean back in their chair with a baseball cap pulled down over their eyes, waiting for a question to be addressed to them if they're on a panel of multiple people. Matt Smith was on both ends of that spectrum, though. Because he was doing the looking down kind of – if if somebody were to say he's a major introvert, I would totally buy it based on mm, what I said. Mm -hmm. 
If somebody say he was a major extrovert, I could see that too. Because there were times somebody said, oh, you know, can I take a selfie in honor of Karen Gillan, who's doing selfie the show, it can't be here. He's like, oh, yeah, come on. She wanted to basically have them facing the audience and take the thing. Mm. He's like, no, no, let's turn around and get them in there too. You know, I mean, he, he, he can play the crowd. He, he understands the the fan side of it and mm-hmm. at times brilliant, you know, and uh, maybe he was just tired, whatever, you know. Um, he, he gave a very good panel. I just think he could be, with a little bit of coaching, consistently do absolutely fantastic and brilliant panels. Um, one of the last questions of the thing, second to last, I guess, uh, anyways, near there, somebody is like, oh, I don't really have a question for you. It's for somebody else, and I've got a gift for them. Is, is so-and-so in the room? She hates crowds and large, you know, big things and stuff like that. But but can she come here and, and then proposes? Nice. And while that's going on, Matt Smith pretty quickly figures out what's going on. So he's got his vid- his cell phone out doing the video type thing and goes, congratulates them, is very much, you know, hey, they wanted this to be their moment with mm-hmm. this. And he's 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 given them nice. you know, the time the, and, and the attention. Nice, it's yeah. Really cool. Very, very uh, uh, awesome of him. I mean, the only thing he could have done better is, well, the power vested in me as being the doctor. I now pronounce you. Yes, yes. And then the funniest question. Well, since we've got one of the doctors on stage, I've got to ask this. Knock, knock. Who's there? Doctor. Doctor who? End joke. <laughs> and at first, Matt's like, huh? Oh. <laughs> kind of funny. Yes. Yes. Um, But it was only about maybe a 40-minute panel. It felt a little short, to be honest. Um, At first, I was thinking my watch was just not right. Yeah. Well, and I don't mean to hopscotch through our day. But I went to a panel later that was also hosted by people from Space and was also a Space Channel panel for Z Nation, mm-hmm. which I really enjoyed. Uh, Tom Everett Scott was the actor they had there. And uh, Teddy and Morgan were the two so hosts. So same, same Teddy, the same guy. Yes, uh, same Dr. guy. Who, uh, moderation. Yeah. And he and, did a great job. And yeah, again, a great job. They had one of the writers slash creators there on the panel with the actor. It was only one of the three lead actors, Mm -hmm. which I was a little disappointed. One of the other leads is an actor I know from other shows. So I had hoped to see DJ Qualls there also. Um, But again, the panel felt a little short of what I thought was the allowed time based on how long they had the room. But what I noticed was that they've been giving out trading cards for, among other people, the airspace hosts. And Teddy stayed in the room for, I'd say, 20 minutes after the panel at the front of the room, and he posed for photos with anybody who came up to him afterwards. He signed autographs for anyone who came up afterwards and all this stuff. Maybe he did that at the Doctor Who thing. Like I said, I was right near the edge of the room, so I was able to get out pretty quick because I wanted to hit yeah. the Edward James Almost thing. There was no mention that was going to happen, so if it did... There was, was no mention at ours that that was going to happen. The only reason I was aware of it 
was because my friends and I had gotten the trading cards and we happened to stay at the back of the room to be trading with other people. Ah, smart. And when we were going through our cards and at the end of the trading, we realized that one of our people had all three of the airspace hosts. And she's like, well, Teddy's here. If I got him to sign it and I get the others, that might be cool. And one of the others is like, oh, wait, I have Teddy also. So they went up and they were like, hey, he's actually doing like officially he's got the sharpie he's doing a signing that's where i think sci-fi channel in the states kind of the equivalent of space here Mm -hmm. in canada not being canadian i could be totally wrong on that but that's where i think they're missing an opportunity they could very easily be doing a fairly easy to produce show with a couple of of you know moderators whatever promoting their other shows, promoting sci-fi shows in general, giving them both content for on air and for these conventions and such and for their website. Yeah. And essentially hire a couple of, of bloggers, podcasters, uh, you know, video casters, YouTubers, whatever, that have a good presence on on camera and stuff, know the, the sci-fi material and can present themselves professionally, not just geek out at, at the sign of, you know, a Matt Smith or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it seems like that's kind of what, what they've done with Inner Space here on the, the Space Channel. Yeah, I would definitely like to know more about Inner Space so, because these hosts were, uh, they took Tom Everett Scott down to the booth afterwards and they filmed an interview segment because uh, I happened to get one of the autograph tickets. Mm-hmm. So I was in line down there and I happened to see that going on. But I had been down by the space booth earlier and I saw one of the other hosts down there and he had mentioned that he was just making a point whenever he had free time of going down there and posing for photos with the fans because that's why they're at the convention, to interact with the people who watch their show, to find out what they're liking, to find out what they want more of, to get feedback. Well, and if sci-fi were to have some people that were a combination of doing a weekly TV show, half hour, hour, what's happening in sci-fi culture. Yeah. You know, that could double as part of the community outreach in terms of their website, blogging, that kind of a stuff, um, something along those lines. There's, I, I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah. Um, now, now, what we accidentally skipped over by having that conversation. I was say, uh, when I finished the panel uh, for Matt Smith, uh, when I was in line, I had seen the lineup here for Edward James almost. It's like, oh man, so I'm going to have to go upstairs, go do that. Get to the top of the escalator, notice there's like no lines. Like, where does this start? Turn around. Oh, I can just go straight back down the escalator. Okay, do that. So I head into, at this point, it's, uh, the Jane, uh, John Bassett Theater, which is room 102 in the North Building. Uh, same level as, as Constitution Hall. It's a theater setup versus this huge auditorium. And I was able to sit like smack dab in the center on on the the, the ground floor, the level, the bottom floor of it. You got, I guess, up in the balcony later. We were up in the balcony, what was called the boxed seats. We were also very nicely centered seats. Um, you were probably directly above me, almost. Probably, and the seats were at a sharp enough grade that we could barely see the people in front of us which was really quite impressive. I, I thought this was an excellent venue, uh, just in general, particularly for this sort of a thing. And not as big as some of the venues I've seen. Obviously not. They couldn't have done Matt Smith here. He wouldn't have had the room. 
Uh, Edward James almost did a I, from where I was sitting. Good job filling the room, but it was not packed. There was more space. Yeah. Um, I had an empty space next to me for some silly reason. I couldn't find you. I kept looking around. Anyways, uh, I thought he gave he he's done this before. He's probably one of the more I don't want to say experienced uh, celebrity guests I've seen in the convention because I think there are some that have done a lot more appearances, but he is probably the most organized and efficient and he's like okay we're gonna have questions all right uh raise your hands okay count you're number one you're number two you're number three four five counts out ten people okay you guys keep where it is you guys with the mics you saw all that right because you're gonna go up to them with the mics and stuff i'd like to do more tens probably what we're gonna do i'm gonna ramble type thing he basically pre-organized everything mm-hmm People could then, oh, I'm this way in line. People didn't have to stand, waiting for a thing, waste their time, whatever. Very efficient. Well, and periodically he would call out what number he's on and he would tell the people with the microphones. Now, remember, next you're going here, next you're going there. Yeah, I'm on six. Seven's over there. Get a mic over there. Now, sometimes they would. Yeah. Most of the time they wouldn't. But through no fault of him. Exactly. He was keeping it moving and he was keeping it organized. I was I was amazed by that. He, he didn't awesome job on that. Well, and part of why I asked you if Matt Smith had a uh, moderator is because Edward James almost did not. He moderated himself and quite well. Yes. I, I, uh, amazingly efficient. He didn't need a moderator. Mm-mm. Didn't need an announcer. He presented himself. Yes. Which is kind of funny. He was probably the most political celebrity guest I've seen. Well, it was very interesting to me because several times... He got questions that, in fact, one time he flat out said, I never, I've never gotten that question in this kind of venue before. They were very political questions. You are correct. I did not expect that question in this venue, but I thank you for asking it. And it was since he had the opportunity to answer the question, mm-hmm. he would answer it. If you hadn't yes. asked, he wouldn't have told. Yes. But he went on everything from clean water mm-hmm. to... Uh, the Battlestar Galactica show and, and cast being asked to the UN and that experience to uh, the uh, public broadcasting system and how the government's trying to shut that down now in the U.S. And how much funding goes for Latin public broadcasting. The, the Latino stuff that he's apparently very involved mm-hmm. in. Uh, what else? He mm-hmm. very down on the, 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 the one percenters versus the 99 percenters and how, you know, bankers are committing suicide apparently how the the one percent of the one percent are buying up the water supply very and how what was it somebody from the world bank had become a whistleblower but we're not hearing about that so if you were taking notes and of course i was too lazy to and didn't he probably gave somewhere between half a dozen and a dozen things well worth googling to find out kind of what he thinks is really going on i've got no reason to doubt him he's a very intelligent man very politically active, very plugged in, and some of the stuff he was basically mentioning was exceedingly scary. Well, and from my own knowledge, having looked into, for instance, public broadcasting in the past, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of what he was saying is right on the money in that instance. Exactly, which makes me wonder when he's saying that some of the richest people in the world are buying up like entire mountain ranges and watersheds to where they can control the water supply for the world. That's kind of freaky. Yeah. And he was very much, I'm not trying to scare you, I'm just trying to make sure you are aware of these things, because the media, he didn't say the media wasn't covering it, but he was heavily implying that. Well, and he was a very big proponent of 
do not go out and riot. Do not go out and be violent. When you get mad about things, go out and sit in your own front yard. He was very much against, like you said, rioting and and, uh, violence as a result. Very much in favor of civil disobedience. And there was an aspect of that. This is a guy who played the the top military commander of an entire society not i mean not country not world but collection of worlds really okay so top military commander for for all of humanity in that narrative realm and he's essentially suggesting mutiny adama i think would have major problems with what edward james almost was suggesting uh, yes yes and that would be a fun question to ask him at some point because mm-hmm. I, I think he would, would see the irony of that. But he was very much preaching the, you know, Gandhi had the right idea. And some of these people that are so rich are doing it off the backs of the rest of us. And again, very politically charged thing. And he was always going kind of right up. I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Not going to tell you what to think. Not going to give you any answers. But here are the questions you should be asking. Mm-hmm. So very, very interesting uh, yeah. panel and such. Yeah. So he he's one that I would be interested in hearing again, following up on some of this. And man, if somebody has kind of the cliff notes or the link, you know, yes. uh, links for his, his talks, I think would be very interesting. I agree. You know, transcript and links and stuff. There's There's a lot there. And if he's not actively blogging and getting this out and using his celebrity to kind of move the message further than just these face-to-face things uh that would be very interesting very cool mm-hmm. now that was one of those where again we're doing this old school style my phone still thinks it's in dallas has not connected here in canada uh so we had well we'll just meet in the room oh we'll meet afterwards we'll meet at the batmobile no we are very grateful that we had made backup plans for our backup plans and our friends and I had bought lunch and we had said well we'll just eat it in the room and we had the initial plan was we'll meet just inside the room. Well, it turned out the room had something like 15 entrances at multiple levels. There were at least six on the bottom. And I was trying to keep an eye on, on yeah. all of Actually, eight. and Yeah, and there were about eight up top and you couldn't get between layers up top because we were in boxes. So we pretty quickly realized we couldn't give you lo- the lunch we had bought you. Uh, and we couldn't text you to tell you we'd bought you lunch and brought it to the panel. Um, so I got teased pretty mercilessly for having bought you a lunch I couldn't give you. Our backup plan was to meet you just outside the door afterwards. And the backup to that was to meet you at the Batmobile. Which... The nice thing was the lunch you got me was sushi, so it yes. kept. Yes. And I was very appreciative of that. Not to say I'm the biggest sushi fan <laughs> in the world, particularly the avocado sushi. But one, it was very good. Two, it was food, and I was hungry. And it was not just avocado. No, it was more than that, but that was the part I was probably not have chosen. But it was gluten-free, it was dairy-free, and it was delicious. Thank you. Um, and that was one of the things we had scoped out yesterday, actually, at the convention. Uh, again, when you're going to a new venue like this, it's worth spending a few minutes as you're walking by a food court or whatever for the first time. Go through it. Look at the menus. What I did in some past years at San Diego was take photos of the menus. That way I've got it for reference. Now, speaking of lunch, I'd like to point out one of the funny things of these conventions. You know, we've talked about there's 
well over 80,000 people. We don't know the exact numbers that come to a convention like this. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew in a vague sense that someone I know lives in the general Toronto area, hadn't thought to reach out, hadn't thought to find out if they would be here. And right as I'm paying for the sushi, I get tap, tap, tap on the shoulder. Funny seeing you in my country. Yeah. Yeah. Even with conventions of, of this size, C2E2, certainly San Diego, there are some years you just can't avoid some people. Other times you just can't find them. Yeah. Sometimes it's how much you have in, in common in interests and priorities at the time. Other times it's just dumb luck. This was definitely dumb luck. I ran into the same person a second time, again, just by dumb luck. And I was getting ready to head to a booth that was doing a giveaway that I wanted. And I tried for a giveaway from that booth earlier. And I'm five foot two. I'm short. And they were giving things out to the people with their arms up high. And Tall people with large, yes. big wingspan, essentially. Yes. Uh, definitely have advantages in those situations. Yeah, and this particular friend is six foot two. Yeah. And as I, I walked by, having seen him, I could see he was slightly busy at a booth. And then I walked back by and I looked at him. And this time I tapped him. And I'm like, I hate to ask this, but could I borrow you and ask you to be tall for me? And funny. he very kindly came over with me for 10 minutes to a booth and put his arm out. He was the first person they handed it to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying they're profiling people, but there's a certain practicality to some of that. Yes. It's, it's, yeah, it's a little unfair, but you know, it happens. I got my giveaway because a man was tall for me. Now, after we did that, we headed back over to the... South. South building. I was so, I've got you the map were... here this time. Yep. And I was checking it and did a little more walking around on the floor. I didn't spend much time on the floor. That was probably most of the time I spent mm. there mm-hmm. because uh, that was after I'd eaten. We'd hiked back, a um, little walking around, tried to find the place to get me a shield badge. But alas, they had vacated. That was when we discovered we had thought they were part of a booth because they were set up in the middle of a booth. And they weren't there, and we found out later that they are some kind of roaming podium. And later, they were spotted just smack in the middle of an aisleway, having stopped. That's frustrating, because I'd like to get one of these shield badges or hydra badges, whichever. Mm-hmm. Um, but where the hell do I go for this? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to Google, t- hit Twitter, or something, and see if. If there's something that says. Yeah, if we get it, we get it. If we don't, we don't. But after that, I headed off to a couple of panels. And these were in the south building on the 1700 level. And this was... 700 level? 700 level, sorry. It's late. I'm tired. That's okay. But I'm going to make one comment before you mention that. Because it was my friend who's over six feet who made it as you went to your panels from where we were in the exhibit hall you would have gone up one level to get to your panels and this friend who lives in the area he comes down to san diego comic-con that's how we Mm -hmm. know him and i was asking him to help me with comparing this to san diego and i'm trying to get a sense of scale and stuff and he was telling me that one of the things he doesn't like about this is the fact that you go down two levels from street level to get to the exhibit hall in the South Building. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't mean to sound like a pessimist, but imagine if there were a fire and you tried to evacuate all these people. 
that would be problematic because one of the things we noticed as we were going down in the south building is there was just a huge traffic jam coming up, particularly out of the middle layer which had the panel rooms. And it's, oh, maybe the panel just let out or mm-hmm. something like that. It's like there's a room full of a lot of people down there. You're right. Yeah. Evacuating this would be impossible. Well, and I did notice there are a lot of emergency exits out on the far walls. And I'm certain that there is a lot more, you know, stairwells and exits than we can see. But until he mentioned you've got a lot of people underground, yeah. I had not really realized how much we were going below street level when we were riding these escalators. Well, and this is a venue, it actually reminds me a little of Dragon Con, which is happening concurrently right now in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Excellent convention, well worth going to. That's another one that's split between different buildings, has a mm-hmm. lot of go up and go down between the buildings, a couple of levels that have access. And it really pays to understand the stacks in the different building, where the connection points are, where you're going, where you're at. Mm-hmm. Because it can be easy to, well, I'm in the wrong building. I thought it was here. It's over there. Oh, wow. It's going to take 10 minutes to get there. Do I go up? Do I go down? Do I go left? Do I go right? Whatever. And this was, uh, again, I keep getting the north-south mixed up, but I know which building I'm in and I know how to get to the other one if I need to. Uh, one of the things I did like about this was how all of the panel rooms in the 700 level, very easy access. Yes. Because I got to one thinking I needed to be in 715. Nope, nope, 714. Okay, that's just across the hall. It's about uh, 30 feet. Not a big deal. Boom, there. You know, so I was able to walk in, went to the DC panel. It was the DC all access. And this was done. I didn't catch the guy's name who was moderating it. Did a great job. He actually kind of reminds me of Enrico Colantonio. Similar uh, kind of accent, speech style, sense of humor. If I had to cast this guy, that's who I would, the actor I would choose. And it was funny because it was billed as a DC Comics 101, but the guy was clearly from DC Entertainment. Mm -hmm. Wasn't from DC Comics, wasn't from the studios or any of that stuff. Just kind of a general entertainment, DC Entertainment guy. They talked everything from, you know, 75-year anniversary of Batman Here's the the Batman Eternal weekly comic we're doing, these comics, those comics. Intercut with, uh, here's a cartoon we had done for the 75th anniversary by Bruce Tim. Here's another one we had done by Darwin Cook. Here's another one we had done. Then they also showed, they, they called them trailers, but really it was like the commercials or whatever for um, Flash and, and Constantine, a few other things like that. Uh, they talked about multiversity. They talked about uh, the Arkham uh, video games, uh, the the movie they just did based on that. Talked about one of the hardcovers they're doing. Um, and it was, frankly, nothing I didn't already know for the most part. So a little disappointing there, but it, it was really showing how DC Comics, that era is over. It is DC Entertainment and how they're trying to leverage their stuff across properties. You know, the the Arkham stuff is for mature, you know, game players, whatever. So you want something a little little more lighthearted? We got the Batman Lego movie. Here's the third thing. Let's do a little on that. You know, and that was fun. That was interesting. Um, and they did some Q&A and stuff. You know, how come you don't have a booth here? They gave kind of the main reason they have the booth is so they have a place for the artist to sign. Well, they've got Artist Alley. And I'm like, well. That's true in San Diego, too, but you got this huge booth there. And he did mention that getting the stuff up here from the States, there's some issues with that and all that, and then there's the budget, and it just, 
it wasn't paying off. You know, it, it, the numbers didn't work out, but they're doing the panels, they're doing the outreach, they're still showing up, but this was just the more effective way for them to do it. Mm-hmm. And at one point, DC and Marvel were like at every major convention, but that was 10, 15 years ago, probably, when there were frankly fewer major conventions. Yeah. You know, and these days, it seems like every weekend there's three or four. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, Frankly, unreasonable to expect even Marvel and DC to be at all the conventions. Yeah. But they gave a good panel. It had some good information. Um, but it really showed to me how they've, they've kind of turned from comic book publisher to IP management in comics, cartoons, uh, live action, TV, movies, video games, whatever. And absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, and they were very upfront, you know, that they were DC Entertainment. And there were a number of questions the guy couldn't answer because, well, that's a Jeff Johns question. That's a, you'd have to ask the guy at the Warner Studio. And mm-hmm. they're finding some stuff out is shortly before we are sort of a deal. Mm-hmm. So very much the marketing PR arm of it, which is fine. So that was good. And then the panel I did after that, which is, again, straight across the hall, uh, was uh, monetizing web series. I was curious about this from a couple of perspectives. You know, doing a podcast, having done that for seven years, doing it completely out of out of pocket for free. Am I looking to monetize? No, not really. But would I accept money if it were coming in? Depends on the circumstance and, and what strings attached. You know, certainly um, were, thing, were situations to be different. You know, again, I was out of work for, for six months at one point. If the podcast had been bringing in some money, that sure would not have hurt at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, but at this point, it's, you know, web series, more of uh, video story based fiction type stuff. So not really what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But it was also by the Writers Guild of Canada. So I was curious, OK, what are they presenting here? They seem to have a, a strong presence here. Uh, how do they come across and stuff like that? And the one of the ladies from there, first off, they were recording their own panel. Smart move. Mm-hmm. To the lady from there started with a here's the Writers Guild of Canada. Here's what we can do for you. Just. Two minutes, maybe, introduce the guests, why they're there, that kind mm-hmm. of a deal. And at the end, kind of wrapped it up. Hey, we're going to have a video up here. Go to this, you know, whatever. Uh, so presented themselves well. Had uh, a moderator, three panelists who one of the guys used to work on the Muppet stuff. Uh, another one is doing, what was it, Ruby Sky PI, which I think one of the networks here in Canada has just picked up the third season of. They did the first two on the web. And it's doing it on their website, but they're getting like broadcast money. And then another guy and stuff. And it was very interesting. They gave very solid answers, very helpful answers. Uh, they disagreed on a couple of things here and there. One had always come up through the broadcasting stuff for 30 years, the guy who had done the Muppets. So much more business thing where some of the others, well, more creative side. And yes, they could work the money and do all that. But different priorities in different different vantage points. Um, but always respectfully so, and that was good. The one thing I think all of them just unanimously kind of agreed on was that here in Canada, they seem to have a really good network of web series producers and the Writers Guild and stuff like that. That's a very cooperative thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to, say, L.A., where it's a studio town and industry town, really, and not as cooperative, you know, and how even if you're not in this area, it's worth hooking up with this group just to for the contacts, the help, and maybe starting your own group you know, in your local area. I wouldn't be surprised if there's an equivalent kind of web series producer or whatever uh, in Austin where we're at or some of the other towns that have a major uh, uh, creative presence 
or, or culture and stuff. Um, so that was very interesting, and there was also a lot of talk on how uh, crowdfunding can work and stuff, but really you've got to have the audience to do that. One guy even referred to it as just a, a organized way of asking friends and family for money, and sooner or later that well does run dry. But they were also very much on uh, social media, using it, getting out there, and stuff like that. And there are a lot of things on that that I know I could do better. You know, I do the podcast. I am not active on Facebook, Twitter, and all these other things because I read comics. I have a job, and the podcast takes a lot of time. So mm-hmm. where I try to do this for day job and money, totally different. But I'm not. Yeah. No, but very interesting, very, very insightful. And frankly, the the Writers Guild of Canada, all of which, uh, almost all of which, those people were members. One, not yet. Uh, very uh, came across very well. I was very impressed. That's very cool. So then after that, I went up to the uh, level above that where the shop is because we were going to meet at, at 5 o'clock. And I was there at 5 o'clock. I would have been. It was funny because uh, I figured, you know, either my watch is wrong again, which it wasn't, or uh, you, you just get delayed. I mean, things happen at a convention. You stop, you talk to somebody, you lose track of time. Or you'll tell me what happened specifically with you. But since the uh, shop at that level was right by the escalator, I'm like, well, I should be standing where I'm easy to spot and I have a little time because you're going to have to cut across the downward aisle. To, they have the downstream and the upstream and the shop is on the downstream side. You were going to be on the upstream side. Oh, my God, this would be bad. I can at least stand by the escalators and watch all the cosplayers coming up and stuff like that have something that was fun. So when the two chans come up, I'm like, there's there's, there's no sister. <laughs> I sent delegates to represent me. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And we had a good chat while you were getting, because you were getting autographs, weren't you? I was. Well, yeah, because as we were finally leaving that panel we had gone to, uh, someone came up to us after all of our trading card swapping, and we thought he was just one more person who was going to swap trading cards with us. And he said, would one of you like one of the autograph tickets that they gave out to the first 50 people? I can't use mine. Mm -hmm. And we said, wow, thank you. (laughs) And we all three were like, wow, this is amazing. Um, But Tom Everett Scott was someone that one of the chants had already gotten an autograph from and the other had already gotten a photo with. So like, oh, you can use it. So that way all three of us will have had something. I'm like, wow, this is, I have awesome friends. Exactly. This is why hanging out with the right people at convention can make a world of difference. Yeah. Uh, uh, Hanging out with with Linda and Erica is just a lot of fun. Yeah. And I mean, so nice of this person who had gotten this ticket for being one of the first 50 people in line to see three people who had clearly enjoyed the panel and say, here, I can't use the ticket. Why don't you? That was just so nice of him. I I love it when people do that because there's a certain amount of... I don't want to say karma or something, but but that goes around. If yeah, if everybody at the convention is trying to not only have a good time but make sure everyone around them's having a good time, it's awesome. Yeah. When let me, let me interject for a minute and go back to that DC panel for a moment, because afterwards, as I was sitting in that Writers Guild one afterwards, I was jotting down a couple of notes in terms of of again having a better convention experience. One of the things that happened is they didn't have a mic for questions in the DC panel. And the guy at the moderator would hear it and answer it. And I'm like, what was being asked? Because I was about two-thirds of the way back. And that in and of itself was was unfortunate, but it was a little bit of a full room when I walked in. But the people behind me were chatting away during the thing, sometimes related to what was being talked about, sometimes totally not. 
I didn't want to turn around and tell him to, to, to be quiet. I'm here to listen to a panel because eh, it's kind of rude, whatever. But it was also making it hard to hear the panel at times. Mm-hmm. So there, there's minor things people can do that can really enhance or detract from the, the experience everyone else is having. Mm-hmm. And kind of we're all in this together. We all have different goals, but we can all have fun and help each other have fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, Teddy from Aerospace, we didn't have a mic in mm-hmm. uh, the uh, panel I went to for Z Nation. He was awesome about saying, I don't think you all were able to hear that question, and it was a great one. They just asked and repeating it. I was impressed with Teddy at the, the Doctor Who one because he was keeping it going between two different sets of mics. Uh, complimenting people on their question, as was Matt Smith, making validating mm-hmm. the people. Yeah. Because it takes some guts to get up and, and ask a question in front of a few thousand other people. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, they're, like you said, it's, yeah. it's cool when people, it's like, hey, I can't use this. Would you be interested? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes a little bit of time, but but sooner or later, that, that will come back on that person to their benefit. Yeah. Well, and while you were at the DC panel, uh, Erica and Linda and I went, to the showcase booth Mm -hmm. and they had green screen thing and Erica and Linda were each uh, green screened into the Outlander trailer which uh, Erica's was doing was actually going quite well except I was off on the side giving her a play-by-play of what I thought they were doing to her and so at one point they're like yes look uh, adoringly upwards and I was so active in my play-by-play that she started dying of laughter as did the person recording her as did the editing person and the editing person was laughing so hard he's like i'll give you an extra take for free because her play-by-play was so funny there were a couple of places doing green screen type stuff it looked like here yes yeah and that was cool well, and the two guys working the Outlander one at one point when I was just, you know, trying to help Erica have some fun when they were setting up for the next day, I'm like, yes, yeah, so now we all recall why we no longer wear green to conventions. And yes. they just, they busted up laughing. <laughs> it's funny because these days you wouldn't think about, well, uh, what? It's usually, well, do I want to wear a Marvel shirt or a DC shirt or, or, or a Star Trek or which, which, which property do I want to support? Not. Golly, if I wear this one, it's going to have so-and-so on it. That's going to have an odd hole in me if I do a green screen thing. Mm-hmm. And there's enough green screen stuff going on. It, it's, it's a valid concern. Yeah. So how was uh, the panel, though? Was, was it good? Z Nation, yeah, it was very good. Um, it was interesting to me, you know, they were saying kind of the, uh, we don't want to spoil anything and we're kind of afraid to say too much. You know, it's uh, funny you mention that because one of the other things about the DC panel is the guy was, this is what's coming out next week. I've got a copy. And he was really good. It's like a major reveal happened in the previous issue. I don't want to tell you what it is. Who's read it? Oh, you've read this. Can you confirm there's a major? Oh, there's a major reveal. No spoilers. Yeah. And for somebody promoting upcoming stuff, I was amazed. Beautiful job. Yeah. So, again, when they say, oh, we don't want to give away the stuff, kudos to them. You're there to entice, not to not to spoil. Well, and some somebody asked a question at one point. They're like, so can you tell us this? And he's like, no answer. I would rather and, they give that than to flat out lie. Yeah, and that's the thing. He flat out said, you know, I don't want to lie to you. No answer. I'm just, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to, you know, yeah. And I mean, it was a good, it was a very entertaining panel. At one point, um, Tom Everett Scott, the actor, got asked something. And he kind of looks over at the writer and he's like, 
you're the writer. <laughs> Write down something for me to say. <laughs> you're so much better at this. Just, just give me some dialogue here. Going back to the Matt Smith panel for a second, somebody basically had gone to some other panel and uh, one of the other doctors was there and had that doctor read some of Matt Smith's lines. So they had a couple of lines, the final lines of maybe the Sylvester McCoy doctor. I forget which doctor. Whoever had Ace as their companion uh, and had Matt Smith read in character the lines. So he pulls out his glasses, of course, he needs that. And he's taken like, three lines that, you know, he's on boom, spot read, beautiful reading, as if it were the doctor. He's got the intonation, the thing. And it's the kind of thing that, man, I, you could have shot that and gone with that and people would have been happy. I'm sure he could have done, given a little prep, a little more. He could have nailed it. But he, yeah, yeah. Close enough. Yeah. So very talented guy. Anyway. So yeah. Yes. Well, but I mean, that's that's some of what people come to these panels for is to see just how talented these folks are. And that's part of what Edward James almost was saying. You know, don't discount those thousands of hours. Yeah. When, when people say, oh, you're a natural at this. It's like, well, yeah, I've been doing it tens of thousands of hours. I've gotten better at it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he yeah. had some interesting comments along those lines, too. Mm -hmm. And he was saying for any artist, you know, do it seven days a week, practice and get good at it. And when uh, practice meets opportunity, you've got your dumb luck and go well, with it. That's what you call luck or whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it was all of the panels I went to and stuff were great. Yeah, Very I have really day. enjoyed it. And the one thing we haven't talked about is what we did when we decided that it was daylight out and... We're just going to get to that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know we're, we're going to end up breaking this into two and I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, we are. No, we ramble. I, I can live with that. Well, it's been a wonderful convention and I don't want people to miss out on any of it because I want to tempt them into coming themselves at some point. But well, And the reality is it's... I mean, we've been doing really well this year, unusually well, yes. unprecedentedly well for the number of conventions we've made it to. I mean, this is probably more conventions than I've made it to in like a half decade yeah. most years uh, in the past or whatever. So being able to share the experience and stuff with other people, both in terms of what they can get out of either this convention specifically or others like it, what to go to and, and help them go with an informed decision and stuff to their first convention or their next convention – what we're doing. Yeah. Well, and Erica and I are both very big Orphan Black fans. Erica, even more so than I am, you and... Well, and Lynn just finally watched the, the remaining yes. episodes. Yes. And, uh, you know, we have made sure John has watched and enjoyed all of both seasons of Orphan Black as well. And Erica and I had both attacked Google because we knew it filmed here in Toronto and looked up locations that were near the convention center and near our hotels and everything. And we had found that the condo that the character Beth lived in was... People who aren't familiar with the show, it starts off with a character committing suicide. That character is Beth. The lead character of the show, Sarah, assumes Beth's identity because they're identical. So stumbles across, you know, the address, oh, let's go here and stuff. So that's it. Yes. She, she, the character of Sarah impersonates Beth for the first couple of episodes brilliantly, too. Yes. Again, the actress there is amazing. So, yeah, finding that condo, doing that. And it was just down the street, maybe yeah. two blocks, if well, that. Well, it, it was more than that. It was, 
I'd say it was about three-tenths of a mile, four-tenths of a mile. It was not far at all. It was a pleasant walk. We had to go by a Blue Jays game, which was kind of irritating. It was on the other side of the Sky Dome or, or whatever the sports stadium is here from yes. the convention center. And amusingly enough, we walked by the TARDIS on the way. That, I, I mean, don't know who had the TARDIS out there across the street from the convention center in the park, but that was kind of cool because we were able to get a photo of that with the CN Tower in the yeah, background. Yeah, it was, it was wonderful. I really hope a group of cosplayers was organized enough to get some Daleks, some Cybermen, and all of the doctors in yeah. front of that thing. Yeah, that was great. So we, we saw the TARDIS because, you know, we had looked at the schedule and there really are a lot of wonderful programs going on. But we thought, you know, we want to go see this, these sites outside the convention center while it's daylight and while the weather's nice. So this was the afternoon we decided to go ahead and do it. So we went over to uh, Beth's condo, which we had found. As we were walking down the street, we're like, yeah. Those are the buildings. That that's the right architecture. And we got to the corner and we looked back and we're like, yeah. I mean, this is where the car was parked in the scene, and this is where another car was parked in another scene, and those are the stairs she runs up at one point. And it, it's just that moment where you're like, yeah, I know this from so many episodes. This is so cool. And Erica reached into her bag and she's like, and I've got one of the Sarah trading cards on me. Yeah, there's something funny about here's the character, here's their setting and stuff like that. And just seeing yeah. where they film some of this stuff, it, it it's fun. Yeah. And again, easy walking distance. I mean, that was trivial walking distance yeah. from the convention. Well, even by my somewhat lazy standards. Well, there's there's how much walking you want to do and then how much walking you want to do after the second pretty much full day at a convention. Yeah. Which you do a lot of walking in. Well, and we were teasing Erica a little about Erica. Should we have taken a photo of you in front of the condo? Because you're quite the fan. And we had walked a little ways away and we were turning back as we're teasing her. And suddenly I realized from this angle, you can shoot the condo with the CN Tower towering over it quite literally. And I'm like, wow, (laughs) talk about proof it's in toronto and mm-hmm. proof how close it is i'm like what a photo op so again we played terrace for a moment well and again if you're at a city you, you don't live in or even if it's when you live in and it's got a comic convention whatever spend a few minutes on google see if anything that you've watched filmed in the vicinity maybe you can go by a building that's famous for a scene here or, or what have you mm-hmm uh, again, the Royal York that the, our friends are staying in was used in an episode of Flashpoint, among many other things. Mm-hmm. When you've got major metropolitan areas, Toronto, Chicago, that the Chans live in and where C2E2 was, uh, are just two examples. There's a lot of, of cool architecture, fun things that tie into movies and stuff like that. Go, go explore the city. It's well worth doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed the walk between... There and then the alley where Felix's apartment is, again, from yeah. Orphan Black. Uh, Felix is the foster brother yeah. of Sarah. And uh, he lives in what's supposed to be a less reputable neighborhood. And, I mean, the backside of the alley for a very nice neighborhood, actually, it does look disreputable because it's the back sort of the trash alley if you will well, for this nice like it's area covered in graffiti but as we're going through i'm like i think there are some people down there uh, painting graf- painting yeah i don't want to say graffiting it or tagging it 
And is I mean, at one point, people came out of the restaurant or whatever and were checking on it. It's like, yeah, they're, they're apparently paid to do this, I guess. Yes, they they clearly been hired by the restaurant to update the paint job on the back. Which, on the one hand, puzzles me. On the other hand, going down this alley for a good couple of blocks, some of the artwork here... It was very nice. Amazing. And yeah. I would have a hard time doing this with a paintbrush, much less a, a spray paint type thing. Um... Mm-hmm. There's and an aspect of that kind of urban art mm-hmm. that when they do it on somebody else's wall without permission, not cool. In this case where they're doing it with permission and stuff, awesome. It, it, mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. It adds color to the city literally mm-hmm. um, in a very interesting way. Well, and it was funny because the reason we walked several blocks down the alley is because a uh, fence was closed over the stairwell we were looking for, so it didn't look like we expected it to look. And we're like, man. Now, we think in that same general vicinity might be the building that at one point was used as the home of the lead character from The Listener. Mm -hmm. Of course, I think that stock footage may have been filmed like five years ago, maybe. Yeah. So who knows what buildings have come and gone since then, much less what they look like. I think we were within two or three blocks of it. Yeah, which is just kind of funny. Yeah. So if if you do your research ahead of time, you've got, we were able to plot out on a map, we go here, we go here, we go there, we're good. Now what worked out conveniently is apparently while Felix may not live in the best of neighborhoods, it was one of the things that in our uh, huge, huge, massive research on will we be able to eat in Toronto? Toronto, one of the most cosmopolitan cities in the world, one of the best places to eat in the world, I believe, having the most, uh, uh, at one point, at least 20 years ago and stuff, ethnic diversity of food, and just if you're an eating kind of person, this is supposed to be a great town for that. I believe it from what all we've seen and walked by. Uh, we, uh, one of the places we found was uh, Hero Certified Burgers on the web. I don't know who the hero is, but as of today, I think his certification was earned. This, frankly, looks like just a fast food place. It's got Angus beef, high quality beef. It's got a very good menu. It's got gluten-free buns. It's it's gluten-free. It fed us well. Fast service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Delicious burger. Mm-hmm. I would put that up there, uh, maybe not at the top of the best burger I've ever had, but certainly in the mm-hmm. running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for what is, for all intents and purposes, a fast food joint. Mm-hmm. Best of those by far. Mm-hmm. I mean, this, this, it's not like a McDonald's or Burger King or any of those things. It, it, it's delicious. Well, and a gluten-free menu prominently displayed in front of the cash register. And Thank you. It was one of those where we didn't plan to go there. It's, oh, we'll eat where we can find something. But having done the research, having known, oh, yes, that, well, we'll you know, that's an option. Let's go there. Mm-hmm. Wound up eating. Everybody seemed to enjoy it. Yeah. And then from there, it was not much of a hike back to our hotel here at the Hilton. Um, yeah. One of the upsides to where we're staying, that's not all hotels. Apparently, those built a century or two back, uh, we have Wi-Fi and our, our friends do not. So we let them uh, use our Wi-Fi here for a bit, which gave us a chance to chat with them and stuff. And that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, wow, those those clock tower gongs are going off again. Uh, so I think, uh, we've, we've rambled on for long enough. Once I edit this, this will be less than the hour it seems like now, but it is 11 o'clock here. We've got another full day at the convention, two more actually, Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are probably going to break this into two parts and then 
the next episode, uh, uh, roundtable episode, will continue this. I don't know off the top of my head, which I'll release it as. I'll try to do a, a Wednesday-Friday release. So hopefully the next part of the continuation of this will just be a few days. Worst case, it's next week. Um, mm-hmm. So anything else on what we did today on Friday the yeah, Fan Expo? The only thing I want to mention is one of the booths that we walked by um, was for one of the local symphonies, I guess. The Sony Center, they're doing some movie showings where they're going to have live symphony music. And they're doing Gladiator. Star Trek's one of the ones that Star Trek. And boy, it makes you wish you lived in Toronto. No, it makes you wish the Austin Symphony would play live with movies. Well, other, other symphonies should do this. Certainly, it's a great way for any town that's got a symphony to really get it some exposure, get it to a wider audience. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't go to the symphony by and large. If I could see it while they're doing a, a movie I like and stuff, and mm-hmm. they could play the soundtrack live, well, and there are, that'd be cool. There are quite a few movies with some really compelling scores, like Gladiator, like Star Trek. I mean, there are some some of the John Williams scores. I think it's a fantastic idea. I'll be honest, uh TV shows sometimes. I could see some Doctor Who episodes. Yeah. That would just be striking that way. Yeah. So there's there's a lot to be said for that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So I just thought that was one of the booths I walked by today when the Chans were with me and they had a contest for win two tickets and knowing the Chans have family here in town and we have friends. I'm like, you know, we can't win the prize and use it, but can if we win, can we give it to friends who live here in yeah. Toronto? Because, wow, what you're doing is amazing. And they said, yeah, of course. If we lived so, here, I would certainly have considered the Star Trek one. Yeah, me too. So I just wanted to throw that in for tonight, but... Now I want to get some sleep because I'm looking forward to the convention tomorrow. Sounds good. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.